Welcome to the Brian Oak Show, episode 181. That would be 181 actual episodes of the Brian Oak Show. I am Brian Oak, and that is Sean Bernard. Hello, Sean. How are you? I'm doing okay. I got my shingles shot yesterday, so it's kind of weird. You know you're aging when you get the shingle shot. I remember that my parents told me, and my parents are both in their 70s. I remember not too long ago, they're like, oh, we're getting our pneumonia vaccine soon. The last time I went in to kind of get a physical and get everything done, they're like, do you want your pneumonia uh, vaccine? I'm like, I'm 53 years old. <laughs> and they're like, well, it's never really too early. So I got yeah. it. So I know the feeling. Yeah. So what, what, how are the feelings? Well, the weird thing is she said, you're going to probably feel like you have COVID or something because it's, and it's all I've been, it's just been, I've been exhausted, had pain in the neck uh, more than usual. Mm. And uh, just tired. So, but other so, than that, things are solid. So nothing's different. <laughs> yeah, can't wait for the next one. <laughs> so you have COVID is what you're saying. It's over. Okay, fantastic it's news. Over. <laughs> it is the Brian Oak Show, and here we are in the Smart Start MN studio. Before we get to today's guest, or talking about why we started out with the Rolling Stones, we should mention Smart Start MN. Let's go ahead and take care of them, because they are... They're the rainmakers. They are the ones who made the Brian Oak Show possible since before we recorded a single episode. They signed on board and have allowed us to do what we do along with our Patreon members. But Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. They worked with the government here in Minnesota to set this program up. Why would they do that? Well, obviously, they're advertising. They are a business. But they were working with people who have gone through the DUI or the DWI process. Your life is going to be difficult already. You are going to spend a tremendous amount of money to get your life back on track. You're also going to go through a lot of difficulty. They can make one part of it significantly less difficult and less expensive, and that is getting back in your vehicle. They essentially install equipment in your vehicle that will allow you to drive as long as you blow clean and you can get back to well at least getting back to work doing your job getting Absolutely. your kids to daycare whatever the case may be duis will screw up your life so the very best piece of advice is to not have one in the first place barring that if you or someone you know love respect care about or even just thought of one time <laughs> needs help in that regard the second best piece of advice is to contact smart start mn yes yeah, smart start mn.com slash the brian oak show that'll get you 20 percent off the installation of the ignition interlock on social media i follow a great number of people who are either music journalists musicians themselves internationally acclaimed superstars and here locally on my social media i'm friends with a tremendous number of people in the music scene that is not a humble brag it is a way of describing how over the course of the last 24 hours plus my social media feed no matter what platform i go on to has been smothered by tributes and adulation and the love of one charlie watts who passed away at the age of 80. now if that name doesn't ring an immediate bell I promise you, you've heard his music, and I promise you that you've seen his face before. The drummer of the Rolling Stones ever since 1963, which means that around the age of 22, 23, he became the drummer of what I'm going to go on record as saying is the biggest rock and roll band of all time. Now, the Beatles, more influential, maybe made better music. It depends on what you love. They imploded in less than a decade. They couldn't contain their majesty or however you (laughs) want to describe it. The Rolling Stones, they're supposed to, well, they are going to be here. We'll we'll see what happens now in the wake of Charlie Watts' death. But they were going to go on tour. Now, Charlie had been feeling ill. Again, 80 years old. Hell of a run. Good man. Not exactly rock and roll age at 80, right? So he was not feeling well, and he said, I'm not going to be on this tour. But there is a tour that the, the Stones have planned. October 24th, they're supposed to be at U.S. Bank Stadium. 
I hope they will. I hope in tribute to what Charlie represented, and I know that they'll do him right on this, whoever was going to replace him even before this. But the news came of his passing yesterday. Again, precious few details out there. But watching on Twitter or Instagram or anywhere on social media, the amount of outpouring from some of the most legendary musicians in the history of rock and roll has been genuinely humbling. And then all the, I mean, think of the people we've had on this show, right? Oh, yeah. I, the number of people who are, I was in tears a couple times yesterday, not because Charlie Watts meant a lot to me, not because I know a, a lot about drumming, right? I don't, the technical acumen, I have no idea, right? But everything I know about Charlie Watts, the, the two main things I know is, one, imagine having to be the guy sitting behind all of those preening peacocks out in front of oh, you gosh. for more for almost 60 years right i mean so you had to be the cool mellow guy he was the well-dressed guy he was the well-mannered guy he was the guy that rarely cracked a smile so when he did crack a smile you knew that there was something <laughs> funny going on but he still kept it in check he was the calm still heartbeat and engine of literally the biggest rock band in Western music history, Charlie Watts passing at the age of 80, and people who know a lot more about drumming than I do would go on to tell me, I mean, because of course there there are, you know, the, the bombastic ones, right? Your John Bonhams, your Keith Moons, your Neil Peart's, who have... 400 drums in front of them and go on yeah. for five minutes solos. True percussionist. No, yeah. nobody likes that. All right, let's be honest. <laughs> nobody likes that. Um, and, and, and many bands would do that and make a point of featuring it. He never wanted any of that. He's like, nope. He came from a jazz background. He mm-hmm. came from a blues background. And like even that song we opened up with, Miss You from the Rolling Stones, he had a way of making a very simple 4-4 backbeat swing. There was just the right amount of hook to it that it allowed him to be interesting. It allowed him to inform the song, but it allowed the other ones to do all the flourishes and the window dressing on top of it. He was an important figure in rock history, man. He was incredibly talented, but he, I loved it that he always looked disinterested to me. At least when I was a kid, right. I remember loving the songs. I had one uncle who was just a huge Stones fan. And so I would watch, you know, different things with him. And I'm like, what's with the drummer? And just <laughs> constantly like, he looks like he wants to be back in his jazz band. Yeah. But he, you know, he hit every note and, you know, every beat and it was great. And he was always, he just, he was so understated, which in in the the world of like that, that the highest tiers of rock and roll, that's not what people do. Now coming up, we're going to be talking to Michael Rand, a longtime sports writer. And I think he'll be able to draw draw analogies to this because in the world of sports there are your utility players that your team will not win without them they will not but they act like they've been there before and they're just doing their job and they're cool with that and then of course there are all the preening peacocks who are dancing around them all the time we'll talk more about that just ahead but even in this simple song we go back here to so i always thought that sticky fingers was my favorite rolling stones record but now for the last 24 hours i've been pouring through their catalog i don't know i mean is it it's only rock and roll is it I, I I can't I can't decide, but I, last night I listened two times in a row front to back to the 1967 record between the buttons. It was the last time Brian Jones was part of the band because he was already so far gone at that point. But even in this very simple song that's got a Chuck Berry beat to it, you listen to Charlie Watts drumming. And again, it sounds like basic 4-4 backbeat, but there is a swing to it and a hook to it that it's one of the catchiest things in it. And I love it so much. The Rolling Stones connection on The Brian Oak Show.
not a super hit, and that band had many, many super hits, but one of my favorites, I just love the way it swings. It's got a great catch, and I feel like it sort of exemplified <clears throat> what a cool background guy Charlie Watts was. It's the Brian Oak Show. I am Brian Oak, along with Sean Bernard. Before we get to today's guest, Sean, in addition to the lavish lifestyle that the Brian Oak Show has afforded you, you still like to have a little side hustle, and you're a realtor for Edina Realty, the yeah, 50s in France location. Yeah, I just do in my spare time to make extra cash for the college fund for the kids. I appreciate that. Well, that's cool. How are things going? I, I, I mean, are the kids going to Brown? What's happening? You know, if you talk to the average realtor, they're just going to say to you immediately, oh, man, I am killing it right now. And? Sean, it, it is unbelievable. It's going fine. I mean, but... Do you guys just, get together for lunch all the time? Is there like no. a, a special club where you're holding snifters of brandy or anything like no. that? I almost didn't get into real estate because I was a little worried about guys with bleached teeth and, you know, sweet convertibles. That... I'm still waiting to see your face either on a billboard. What I'd rather see than on a billboard, I want to see your face on one of those bus benches. They, they last... I didn't put my face on there for one reason. Well, two reasons. Reasons. One was they said it would cost way more, more because of the size of my head. Wow. And then the second one. We don't have any benches that big, is, sir. You try to find a bus bench that has not been defaced. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Oh, I swear to God, if I yeah. saw your face on a bus bench, oh, you, I would black out a couple teeth and you would have a hilarious snidely whiplash mustache before you knew it. Exactly. That said, it is busy to answer your question. Yeah. It's a good time to buy and sell right now. The market has actually slowed a little bit. And I'm in situations where people have actually gotten houses at asking price. So give me a call, 612-859-2594. Remember, I also donate a portion of every buy or sell to a local artist or musician of your choice, 612-859-2594. Do you know what I like about having people on the program who are in journalism or in entertainment? is that they understand how the game works. So everybody who I everybody who I invite on the podcast, I'm like a very brief bio and three songs you want to play. I've never gotten a more succinct bio <laughs> in the 181 episodes of this show than I got from Michael Rand <clears throat> forthwith. Michael Rand is a North Dakota native who has worked at the Star Tribune for over 20 years. He is currently the digital sports senior writer and host of the Daily Delivery Podcast. The end. Brilliant. Michael Rand, it is good to see your face. How are you? I'm good. You say brief. That's what I'm going to do. I work in a word count industry. Yes, so. You do. But again, there are certain artists that I've invited on the show, whether they be musicians or entrepreneurs or whatever they might do, that I'm like, just a brief bio. And you literally get a novelette, right? I mean, that, that people are like, well, but I can't forget to mention about that time I was in that cover band or the... It's perfect. So we now know that you're one of us. You're an upper Midwesterner. We now know, and everybody already knows, that you've been at the Star Tribune for a very long time. Mm -hmm. You are doing what you're supposed to do. You write about sports in one of the least successful sports communities yes. in the history of sports yes. communities. Um, but you also have your own podcast. So let's start there. Before, before we dive into your profession... Mm -hmm. You grew up in North Dakota. Where in North Dakota? Uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota. All right, so, so born and raised Bo there? Yeah, born in New York City, actually, strangely enough. You don't but, say. Yes, uh, but moved back to 
North Dakota, where a lot of my family was when I was about one. So that's okay, where that's where I was raised. Same thing. I, yeah. I I was born in Portland, Oregon, but yeah. I've lived here since I was two years old. Sure. So I don't really know another life. Right. What got you? I mean, but what brought your family or you away from New York City to North Dakota? It was more of my mom moving back. Got it. To uh, to Grand Forks, where. A lot of other family was essentially so. understood. So you grew up in North Dakota, and you so you go on to become. I mean, really, I, the reason I reached out to you mm-hmm. is we know so many people who are adjacent, right? Yeah. I mean, like you and I aren't best buds by any stretch of the imagination, but we know who each other are. But I've heard your name so many times over the years, and I I'm not a huge sports nut, but I am so KFAN adjacent. And I love crashing that station so much. And I mean, really, and following them, following you on social media, that's where I've gotten to know about you. Plus, there are certain sports people, you know, who, whether they're writers or broadcasters or whatever they are, I'm not against being a rube, right? I, I, I happen to be a huge proponent of the Vikings, even though every year they are Lucy and I am Charlie Brown trying to kick the football. And I don't need to tell you about that. Oh, my God. I can only imagine mm. what you have to face every mm. damn year. And not just with them, but with every team. But I mean, And their fans. <laughs> yes. and, and, oh, my God. It, there's no winning, right? And so um, I, I love that. But you also always bring sort of a level of sanity and clarity and thoughtfulness to the work that you do. I've read a ton of your work over the years. And I, I like that. I, I don't mind an enthusiasm for the hometown team. But I also appreciate sort of a clinical discerning attitude towards the the subject that you're covering and I think that you've always done that so as you're growing up are you into sports do you do sports where do sports become one of the defining factors of your life definitely huge sports fan growing up you know watched it I was a huge baseball fan I played mm-hmm. baseball that was the sport I played what position the most uh shortstop and pitcher holy mm-hmm. cowboy so I was Literally the two most important positions yeah, on the team. Like, it was good enough, you know, like growing up, you yeah. know, to be on like the youth teams and then up through like Legion baseball, but not good enough to go beyond that. But that was the okay. that was my sport. Baseball was my sport, so I pitched, but, played shortstop. And more important than be, I mean, like yes, there will always be people who are at the pinnacle of it, right? Yeah. But to me, youth sports is about enjoyment. Like yes. you, d- I know that parents get very aggravated and very <laughs> excited and very into it, Sean. Oh, come on. I'm just joking. <laughs> I can only imagine what you've done to that poor boy of yours. Yeah, he's going to play college ball. That's yeah, great. I know he is. <laughs> but even even if that's not the case, youth sports to me is about enjoyment, and you enjoyed mm-hmm. it, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I played, I mean, it's like I couldn't get enough of it, so I was on like three teams every summer, and the summers in North Dakota are short. Right. right? They're shorter than they are here. <laughs> yeah. So you got, you got to take advantage of all the uh, the sunlight and decent days you can. Should so. have gone into curling. And I was a huge Atlanta Braves fan growing up too just because why? Of the, hmm. the superstation you know oh, yeah the, the, remember how you know they had the channel tbs the it was games. like all the games were on and that was you know right. that was like you know most i would say most people in north dakota are twins fans or root for minnesota mm-hmm. teams i root, grew up rooting for the vikings and other you know minnesota teams but the braves were always my biggest team just because that was the team i could watch all the time right and baseball was my sport are you a saber metrics guy um, I, I like it. I think it's yeah. interesting. I think it's like it's a piece of the puzzle, right? That, that's how you always hear it described. It's like you don't want it to be the only thing that informs how you think about something, but it's it's part of it. But as it's grown over the years since you brought that up, Sean, yeah. Sabermetrics has clearly become a much, much, much larger influence than it used to be back when any of us were young or mm-hmm. watching sports. Are you a fan of the fact that it's come to inform one of your favorite sports that much, or do you think it's gone too far? I think it takes some of the joy out of it. I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like when we 
I feel like the information is valid and useful, but it also when almost like when you know too much about sports, it kind of takes some of the fun out of sports. When you kind of know what you should expect, <laughs> and you are you are watching through that lens, and then being like, "Well, that didn't happen," or "That was dumb," yeah, because this was supposed to happen. It it takes a little bit of that just kind of innocent watching of sports out of it, and I think people have a hard time just watching sports and, and having fun. Some people, some people don't, but when you know too much, when you know what's supposed to happen, when you know what the matchups are, what the, you know, what, what the, you know, what the, what this <laughs> says should happen. Yes. That, that, that becomes problematic from a watching standpoint, from a team building standpoint, though, if you do it well, like you can see why teams do it. Well, you could, I mean, when you consider how much money's at stake, I'm not surprised that they put that much effort into it. But I think about friends who I have who are talented musicians who understand music theory perfectly or friends i've met who are filmmakers i'm like are you able to sit down and watch a film and remove yourself from the editing the quality of mm-hmm. the shot the the whole bit are you i mean because it, it ultimately sports is entertainment right i mean even though there's a competition happening at the professional level it's entertainment and you want to believe in some of that magic right you want to believe and i guess you know so from a coaching standpoint i know nothing about baseball i'm an idiot so stop listening to me now but <laughs> You know, like when you're like, oh, we hit the pitch count, got to pull this guy. Like every once in a while, don't you wish they'd let someone <laughs> run to the end of the game and just like burn him out and blow him? Even if it fails, that magic of a fan. I mean, as a fan, you want to believe those things can still happen. You do. And like a perfect example is, I don't know, know how far you follow the Twins, but Eddie Rosario was a mm-hmm. rather prominent Twins player for several years. But sabermetrically speaking, he you know had some deficiencies, right? He didn't get on base very mm-hmm. much. He, you know, his power kind of went up and down, but he was fun. He hit, he seemed like he hit clutch home runs or clutch, he got clutch hits, and it. he was, seemed like he had a lot of fire, like he was one yes. of those kind of team leader kind mm-hmm. of guys, and then they made a decision in the offseason, like, no, he's expendable, and he's not having a great year in Cleveland. Like, that's where he is now, and yet I still miss him because I'm like, I wish they had Eddie Rosario just because he's fun, and I, I get that he's not... Like he probably isn't worth what he's making because of you know because the the numbers say that, but I, I still wish Eddie Rosario was here. That's an excellent example of where my my thinking kind of deviates. Or guys like Kadire, you know, Kadire yeah. was somebody that everybody loved. I, I, people that I knew that knew him said this is just a phenomenal guy, but he was a great clubhouse guy. I think he sold a ton of tickets. Like a lot of people bought tickets to see him play. Now he didn't have the stats always. You know, he didn't. He wasn't always way up there. But he was a guy that people just loved to watch him play because he looked like he was having an incredible time. Yeah, you you. By the way, you look like you look like you could be distantly related to Michael Kadire. Just looking at you right oh, now. So really? maybe are you his uncle in some way? You, or? Do you know? Do you know what he can do? Magic tricks. Yes, magic tricks. There's the answer right there. Like what? Like card like, tricks? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, tricks. Make, like make a coin disappear? A lot of yeah, ca- like card tricks. He's not like a professional. They're really cool for like the first fifteen to twenty-five minutes. Yeah. Seconds. <laughs> I've always been a big cut of your guy. Something, that's something uh, his uncle would know. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Well, and the twins, though, as we know, every time they get somebody good, they're not going to pay them. They're not going to keep them. And we'll then we'll go let... watch them be really good somewhere else. Well, more often than not. So getting back to you briefly mm-hmm. before we dive into more Minnesota sports here, and we're going to hear a song here very shortly, but I want to know a little bit more. There, Obviously, it's not the entire story, but sports are a big part of your early life. Loving sports does not automatically translate into a decades-long career in journalism. When do you start writing? When do you start to fall in love with that? That's interesting because, like, growing up, I was huge into math. Like, my parents thought I was going to be, you know, whatever you do with math. I don't know. Status, <laughs> I don't know, like... I, astronomy, 
Yeah, statistics. Or, you know, like, like I was in all the, yeah. yeah, like I was on all these math competitions and stuff like that. Didn't, did you, did didn't it come easy to you, or did you just yeah. love it? Or? Yeah, both. Yeah, I, okay. I enjoyed it, right. but you know, but then like you so know, you somewhere were, around, you were both an athlete and a mathlete. I was. <laughs> yes, that's, that's kind of amazing. I was an actually. athlete and an athlete. Yeah, that's, that's really that's cool. True. I like it. Yeah, um, that's like maybe like high school that shifted a little bit. I still was in all like the math classes and stuff like that, but got more interested in writing. Was the editor of our school newspaper you know for what mm. that's worth it comes out like six times a year but you know kind of got more interested in that side of thing than go to the university of minnesota and really fall in love with it there okay and so you to go you come to the u of m you decide you're moving to the big city yeah it, but again a lot of people love to write a lot of people mm-hmm. think i am a journalist and i have got some important things to say <laughs> but like anything i mean like i got into radio right like right. i have a deep voice and i have important things to say there's a ton of us right like it doesn't guarantee you're going to win so you're going to the u of m you know we're going to save it for after your first song because i want to find out how you became a professional journalist because that's a big jump right sure. as i'm sure you've been asked over the course of your career a lot of people are like well, now, if I wanted to get into that, what would you recommend? I've oh. been asked that so many times, and there's not a good answer, but I want to find out your answer, but not yet. We'll talk about that just ahead. First, though, let's talk about one of the, you know, we've all lived here a long time, and mm-hmm. we've all loved a tremendous number of Minnesota bands. One of my favorite things to say about anyone, one of the most earnest and ardent compliments I can give a band or an artist or a chef or whatever is there's not really anybody else like you. And there's not really anybody else like Lifter Puller. No. Of course, they would evolve as they moved to New York into the Hold Steady. But back in the day, they were Lifter Puller. So I want to know why you love this band and why you picked this song. Well, why I love the band, I think they they were kind of at the height of their popularity right when I was kind of in the height of my show going. Like right mm-hmm. after college, you know, late 90s. And so I, you know, listened just, I, I found them, I think probably Radio K maybe. You right. know, when I was, you know, that was, that was. The, the station I listened to a mm-hmm. lot, that and, you know, whatever else, Rev 105, I think, was still around back then. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. You might have heard of it once or, <laughs> might have heard of it once or twice. Um, but, you know, just, you know, you, you kind of found the bands that kind of resonated with you. And then, you know, there were shows like every night and they were cheap and, you know, you like two for ones. And so just like, cheap. It was yes. like, yeah. And it was just like, you know, it was like I was you know, single, but like over 21. It's just like, you go, go to shows and drink and yeah. you know, see bands. So I, right. I probably saw them like, I don't know, five, ten times probably in the you know that year span and just really gravitated towards them. And then, of course, unfortunately, they broke up and, you know, but then the Hold Steady forms and like every single one of my favorite Hold Steady songs are the ones that remind me of Lifter Polar. So. <laughs> well, but that's because they constantly sing about drug use, staying out too late and the Twin Cities, even in the Hold Steady. But back in the Lifter Polar days, there was something dirty and edgy. And I always thought I was against Craig Finn's sort of sing speak approach sure. to things i was wrong i fucking love them man i think lifter <laughs> i think lifter puller's rad why did you pick this song you know well one because it's off their first record and so you know if, when you say pick three songs i gotta be like well it's it's gotta be it's gotta not be obvious right well, Can you're, be, you're, well but it's you but you're a music guy i'm, I'm not i want to like <laughs> I, wanna, I specifically I will, Brian, told I you to impress you. It's not a test. I specifically I know, I know. told you it's not but, a test. But like this is of of all of their songs, this is one that I listen to among the most. So it's just like it's kind of it's from. I don't think they really even. I don't. I've I've interviewed Craig actually for my podcast. I don't even think he likes any of their songs from that first record. But I like this one a lot just because it's catchy and it's kind of got this like I don't know. It's just kind of got this little hook to it towards the end that just kind of gets me and it's just one of those songs that sticks with me.
Guess it'll start it in your apartment. 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 Guess it'll start it. Whether we're talking about Lift Your Puller or the Hold Steady, to look at Craig Finn is to not think you're looking at someone dangerous and dark like a Lou Reed, right? Yeah. But to listen to the quality of his lyrical content, the guy's done it all. He's not afraid of the drugs or the sex or the weird dark rooms or the uncomfortable situations that erupted and the regrets of waking up the next morning after them. Yes. It informs his storytelling. It informs his songwriting. But then every time, whether it was Lifter Puller or probably even more so with the Hold Steady, the hooks, as they like to say in the business, more hooks than a tackle box. All <laughs> <laughs> right. In all honesty, that was a, that's a great pull. And I got to be honest, I've listened to a lot of Lifter Puller. I don't think I know that song. I may have heard it before, but it hasn't stuck out. Nice pull. Thank you. Very cool. Thank you. Extremely impressive. Yes. Michael Rand. <laughs> it's not a test, man. I, I don't I, care. I, I, don't, I don't care. I, don't, I, don't, I still studied for it. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. I don't know how many people I've told it's not a test, but care. it's not a test. You told me that. I, I, said, I, I did. Don't well, care. and you're still like, man, it's got to be cool. Like the next band we're going to play in just a couple minutes here, I've never even heard of. 
So there. This, this is like my pandemic find. Okay. I, I listen to this band all the time. See, but now I'm a, I'm an always learning guy, and yeah. so I. I, I've never been one of those guys who I'm like, oh, yeah, I knew that, except I really like their early stuff. Have you not heard the early demos? <laughs> Have you not heard the alternate stuff? I hate people like that. I really, <laughs> really hate them. I like to learn new things, whether it's about old artists, new-to-me artists, brand-new artists, whatever. So we'll get to that in a minute. Before we do, I feel like we should mention Forgotten Star Brewing. We should. The latest addition to the uh, sponsors of the Brian Oak Show podcast. Forgotten Star Brewing is in Fridley, but they're just right there on the border of Minneapolis and Fridley. You can see See the gorgeous Minneapolis uh, skyline from their gorgeous back porch where you and I are going to be hanging out in less than one month's time. Yeah, Oktoberfest coming up September 18th. We'll be there and we'll be there for quite a bit of the day. I think 3 or 3.30 till 9 o'clock. So that's a lot of time with for you and I to bond. I, I don't really, I, go, I feel like we get plenty, but... Um, you think, you feel like our, we're on a good pace right now with here's how the many deal. we see each other? Well, I mean... I, well, yeah, yeah, it's even kind of a lot. Uh, no, I'm joking, and you know it. Um, but don't come up and ask why Oktoberfest is in September, because nobody knows, not even the Germans. Nope. Uh, and so just come out and join us. They do some great traditional-style beers. They're going to have some special beers there as well. It's dog-friendly, inside and out, music all weekend long. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, they don't try to be too cool for the room. Uh, it's just uh, the beers, from what I've heard, because I don't drink, but... I've heard they're fantastic, and they're not weird. Like that's the thing. You, you and I, like even back in the day, it's like I don't want a weird beer. Do you, you know? have a Do you have a dragon fruit and cilantro Maybach that I could get? I mean, seriously, like it, it, it's gotten a little out of control. But that's because that whole craft beer market and and even craft breweries and tap rooms, it's crowded, right? And so you're looking for a place that is comfortable, that is normal, that has good service, and that is going to give you something that tastes good and you can enjoy yourself there. Forgotten Star Brewing, we've met them and they're they're mm-hmm. fantastic guys. Great guys. Forgottenstarbrewing.com. Thank you very much. Michael Rand, so before we get to your next song, you grew up in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. You love sports. You get involved with the school paper, which is not uncommon, but again, think about the percentage of people who got involved with their school paper or, you know, their school radio station or yeah. did theater in high school that actually go on to make a career out of it. It's a narrow number. So at what point while you're going to the U of M do you write and realize, and again, it, it, I'm not asking you to praise yourself. I'm not asking you to say how awesome you are unless you feel like it. No, I'm good. But at some point, you have to realize that you're good enough at something to be able to do it professionally. Do you start out with an internship? How do you start moving into the professional world of writing? Yeah, it's. I feel like for a lot of people, like unless you're deeply connected in some way, it's just like a, it's kind of the right place, right time sometimes. So like, oh yeah, I get to the U of M and... It's 1994, right? It's I'm I haven't even turned 18. I'm 17 years old. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I kind of need a job. Also, in addition to going to school, so I go to the Minnesota Daily, and I'm like, I I think I would, you know, I could probably write. You know, I could do a lot of different things. And they're like, oh, okay. And then you know, I get an interview, and they actually hire me to do news for a year. Well, which is cool. And I I don't mean to interrupt again, but at the point, the Daily is still very much a force, right? I mean, yes. print media is still very much a thing. I started at Radio K in 1993. That was the beginning of my broadcasting sure. career. And and but the Daily, I mean, people I think forget about the Reader and City Pages, and the Minnesota Daily was an actual 
again, I'm not trying to overstate it, but it was a journalistic force at that time. It was taken very seriously. It was the primary publication of a major metropolitan university. Yeah, it still is in a lot of ways. I think you know, print print has been diminished just across the board everywhere. Right. So, you know, a lot of their what they do now is digital. But yeah, I mean, it was five days a week. It was, you know, it was you were paid like you you were. This was a job, like in addition to going to school, like you were actually paid to write, which was rare for a college mm-hmm. newspaper. Exactly. Like, this is not, not normal. So like I get hired to do news, like I guess I did enough to say I could do this. And, you know, I end up covering like the U of M administration for a semester and there's a lot of stuff that goes on there. But I've always, I always kind of had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to get to sports. I get there the year after and, you know, write sports for a couple of years there, kind of you know, write a million bad articles to start writing, you know, 15 good ones. That's how you start, ones. though, that's right? That's what you do. I mean, that's, this is a doing business. You're, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. You start out crappy, and you get yes. better by doing it's it. It's a doing business. Right. Everything is a doing business. Like, 90, you know, students probably would hate me for saying this because I teach adjunct at the U now, too, but, like, yeah. 95% of this is doing it. It, All, it is. I mean, that's life in general, in yes. my opinion, showing up and doing the work. And if you're in a band, if you're a baker, if, if you are, what it doesn't matter, if you are a chartered accountant, you're going to suck at first, but you yeah. show up every damn day, you do your job, you get better, you refine your craft, you learn more about what's important. In yours, I have to imagine that you learn better what the important points of the story are, mm-hmm. you learn how to craft your story better, you learn how to talk to the people that you're interviewing mm-hmm. better, and that's, that's it's part of the natural evolution of this, right? Yeah, and you just be you got to be you could become faster at it, you know, because you're working on deadlines, mm-hmm. become more versatile because you pick up different skills, you hear things and you're like, okay, that's my lead. You know, you kind of like understand how is, you write enough stories and you understand how they're going to come together kind of as they're happening. So by the time you go to write them, it's almost like they're done. So not everybody's cut out for that. So you're working at the daily, you're doing it there. How do you make the Frankly, fairly sizable jump because I did the same thing working mm-hmm. at the U, working at Radio K, and all of a sudden I was working at Rev 105, which yeah. you had referenced. You at some point make the jump to actually working at the Star Tribune. How does that happen? And again, it's like a mix of doing it competently and being at the right place at the right time, right? right. Like I'm about to grab, I'm actually not quite graduating, had a bonus year. Uh, 99 was a bonus yeah. year. But Is that what they call them? No, that's what, call that's, what I, that's what I call it. That's what I call it. Um, you know, because when you work at the daily, you can't, you know, you, sometimes you can't take all the classes you want, things like right. that. So I had, right. like, I had like three classes to finish. But anyway, it was like 1998. I'm getting ready to take an internship in the summer in Appleton, Wisconsin, where I would have covered Packers training camp, Ooh. by the oh. way. That's where they do training camp. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Appleton Post Crescent. I'm about to go there, and the Star Tribune calls and says we have a six month temporary position open because someone's taking a leave of absence. Um, we'd like to interview you. Like, yes. Like, and they reached out to you. Yeah, fabulous. Because, well, you know, I mean, you get to know people in the, you know, of course, you're at the daily, like you're local. Yeah, yeah, I and get for, it. And for something like that, like you're not going to go be able to hire like someone at another newspaper for a six month job. No, so exactly. It's a glorified internship. It's it's longer than the typical internship. Yeah. But, I but also up, a great way to cut your teeth and get to know people yeah. in the actual business. So I end up getting that, and it turns into more like eight months. Then I do kind of freelance, like, you know, answering phone calls type stuff for a year or two, and then I get hired. And it just kind of it just kind of happened. You kind of you show up, you do the work, you prove that you can do a lot of different things, you gain the trust, and then, you know, if you're lucky, you, you get the that happens for you. So you've watched the evolution of what's happened to print media. And I, being a radio guy, I've watched the evolution of what's happened to that, right, as well. The Internet has changed everything that we do. You are the senior sports writer for the digital end of what happens at the Star Tribune, right? And you've been at this for a very, very long time. 
early on, what is the, before we get to your next song, which is coming up next here, I need to ask because I feel that none of us get where we are without occasionally stepping on the rake and smacking ourselves in the face yeah. or essing the B, as they like to say on the Power Trip Morning <laughs> Show. What was the first story that you thought, oh my God, I am a wizard, I am a genius, <laughs> and your editors literally picked up and threw back in your face? Do you have any idea, like the first story that you had high hopes in that was absolutely terrible? God, that's a good question. I mean, I think that that does happen. Like, I remember more mistakes than I remember, like, stories that got sent back to Fine, me and things me like that. Like, mistake. Like, okay, so early days of Twitter, and I think we were, I think it was, um, and I didn't understand the power of Twitter, the power of recruiting at this oh, yeah. point. And, like, we're we're trying to, I'm, <laughs> I'm working in the high school sports realm, it's probably like 2009, 2010, trying to figure out where I think it was Chantrell Henderson, who's a very big recruit from here, mm. went up, planned up playing in the NFL. We were trying to figure out, like, where is he going to go to school? He's about to announce his commitment. We hear a rumor of where he's going. I put it on Twitter, just, you know, kind of saying, hey, this is what we're hearing. Yeah. And people are like, oh, really? It gets retweeted everywhere, and then it turns out to be wrong. It's like, oh. oh. Like, well, you got to, like, but I didn't understand because it's like, you know, we we weren't in that business of immediacy yet at that point, or it felt like Twitter was still kind of a game at that point. And so being wrong about that ends up being like whoa you were really wrong about that what a jerk yeah what, and, and now it's only oh, go ahead i was just gonna say and you had sid hartman right next to you who was tweeting yeah. all the time <laughs> <laughs> who was only by the way i was figuring it out he was only 74 i think when you started yeah he was he was <laughs> still crazy. the old columnist like are you gonna retire I, that's what i said about sid I, and i knew sid personally yeah. through our family but i just kept thinking you know is this guy how about the people that are like waiting for his job someday? Is well, he ever good luck. Retire? Keep waiting because Sid Hartman did not give it up no, for a very no. long time. But you have, I, we'll talk about this in a minute because I don't like to go too long without getting to a song. But I mean, the evolution from the here's your story, I need this in five yeah. days, I need 1,200 words. That's gone. You yeah. you have to crank out multiple stories every single day. You're not ever really allowed to be off the clock, are you? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, you kind of pick your spots, but yeah, there's this immediacy to it, especially when there's breaking news, like when you when you're working on the internet, you know, which is a giant term, you know. Right. When, well, but but that's I mean, when you're the digital content guy, when you're right. the senior sports writer for the digital end, you, I have to imagine there are mornings that you wake up where you're like, "Oh crap, these yes. three stories broke overnight. I now have to before I eat my toast and drink my coffee, I have to crank out at least the rough form of these and then clean them up before that and get them out ASAP because five other outlets are beating me to it if I don't." Yeah, there's that. I mean, it's and we have other millions of other people working for us at the paper, but there's I think the worst side of that is oh you wake up and there's nothing to write about you got to like Oof, dig into your yeah. dig into your brain you're like what are we gonna do today because yeah. it doesn't feel like it's it's the proverbial slow new day but pe- news day but people still want to read stuff like it's not like people aren't gonna come to you and be like okay what do we got now that happens so working at the radio station like we're supposed to also make blogs every day mm-hmm. and some days there's way too much to write about yeah. and other days literally nothing yes. and you know what apparently apparently with Benifer. You know, Ben Affleck. Yes, and, yes. Yeah. Apparently, she doesn't like his back tattoo. And after they broke oh. up the first time, she talked about it. Oh, wow. Whew. I should write about that. Tell me about the band. 
don't worry. There's a video floating around right now. You'll be able to get that before we're done here. Tell me about this band, Sorry. I've literally never heard of this band, Sorry. I don't even know exactly where they're from, but I've I've heard um, <laughs> I heard a song of theirs on The Current. Um, you might have heard of that. I have heard of that. And um, I uh, I was like, this is really good. Like, this is exactly what I like. It, it almost feels like two bands merged together and sometimes that doesn't work like sometimes it's yeah. like it's like you have one person who has a complete opposite style of the other person and they like try to try to mash a song together and it's like oh that didn't work at all for for sorry it it absolutely works and so i was like started you know listening to spotify finding some other stuff of theirs and i made a playlist and like that became kind of like for like a good like six to eight months like my go-to playlist when i'd go for a run things like that it was like a good curated like nine ten upbeat songs and so it just kind of stuck with me, I guess.
That was cool as hell. Good. I'm glad you like it. I've never heard even of that band well, before. And the funny thing is, like, I try to, like, I'll, pl- I'll, like, tweet about sorry from time to time, and, like, nobody gets it. Nobody's like, yeah, I love this. Like, sweet. Well, so apparently <laughs> your following is not very strong in North London where the band hails from. <laughs> I guess not. Like, like Kyle Madison, who's, like, very active on music Twitter. Solace, likes them, I'm familiar. Yeah, likes them a lot, but that's, like, the only other, like, connection I have that likes them. Have you ever been to a live show and not seen Kyle no, Madison? No, there? he's everywhere. I, he's literally everywhere. at every show yes. I go to, and now again, I'm moving on in years, so I don't yeah. go to as many shows yeah. as I used to. You can't get away from Solace. No. I mean, and I'm not trying to. I enjoy no. his company right. every time. Right. But I, I after after COVID broke and suddenly we were allowed to go to shows again, I've only been to two and he was at both of them. <laughs> I mean, he literally is at every single show that I go to, which is actually sort of comforting. He's, you know, that might be a good... Thing is, he's so quiet and yeah. understated. I don't know if he'd want to even be on the podcast. You should get him on. He he likes a tweet faster than anybody else. Too. Yeah, he's he's paying attention. He's paying, that, he's plugged in more ways than on. one. Michael Rand is our guest from the Star Tribune. Before we continue and begin to wrap things up, because I have a couple of very mm. pointed questions for Please Mr. Do. Sports, because nobody has a, more of a front row seat than this guy does, and we'll we'll come up with those just ahead. Uh, we do need to mention Palmer's Bar. Speaking of. Uh, Kyle Matson, Solace. The last time we went and did Palm Fest, yes. I sat next to him for the entire night. That was Kyle, right there. Yeah, I did. The beard, know. the glasses, the hat, the understated, sort of beatific smile that always defines <laughs> his face. I really like being around that guy. I just, I, what? Who is he? Is he a watcher? <laughs> is he an angel? Because he's at every single show. In any event, Palmer's Bar is back on the block. They are back to doing things business as usual. Well, maybe not quite as usual, but they are back to it. They've got all kinds of great live music all the time. Palm Fest was an unmitigated success. It was crowded for three days in a row. Now they're having music on the regular. And it's time because there will come a time here in the not-too-distant future. I'm not really worried about COVID shutting everything down again. But I do want to remind people that it's late August, and yes. there will be a certain time where patio shows will not be an yes. option. No. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now would be the time to get out and maximize what remains of summer and fall, probably my favorite time of the entire year, palmersbar.net, to get a full rundown on everything they have going on there, who's playing inside, who's playing outside, everything you need to know. Right on the light rail. Love Palmers. Saw, oh. Saw the, I think it's got pew, pew, pew there like two two years ago. <laughs> Right on. That's right. Love it. Is that right. like the laser gun sound? Yeah. Pew, 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 pew. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I got it. I, I don't know pew, pew, pew. No. I almost, play, I almost put one of their songs on there, so there you go. Well, okay. Next time. You will come back again, right? Sure. Because what I'd like to do at some point in the not-too-distant future, I'm sure there are people, once I promote this, they're going to be like, oh, man, finally a show about sports. <laughs> no, we don't and, talk sports at all. And I, well, no, not yet. We're yeah, about to. About to. Um, I, and I, I got nothing against talking sports. I just, I'm ignorant on most of it with the exception of the NFL, which, again, I'm not... Not encyclopedic. I'm, I'm kind of this way about music, too. Like, if you tell someone, oh, man, I really like that band, it doesn't mean you have to know the name of all their children and the name of who produced every right. single record. It's okay to just like something without being encyclopedic. So for me, I love watching Vikings football. It's just part of my tradition, right? And I like the, the vibe of the NFL in general. Now, for whatever reason, we don't get to pick what we love. Not a big baseball guy. Not a big basketball guy. I'm a very, very small hockey guy. It's just it's <laughs> not my jam at all. But I love watching the NFL, right? So we'll have you back to talk, do a whole sports one at some point in the not-too-distant future. But since I have you here right now, you've had a front-row seat for 20 years or more. 
Why do the Vikings hate me? Oh, I mean, they hate us all, don't they? Here's the thing. Like, it's 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 baffling because they have everything. They It seems like they have every resource, right? They've got... They've got coaching. The, they've got they, talent. The they've got an ownership group that's willing to spend money. They have a state-of-the-art stadium. State-of-the-art practice Why? facility. Why? And I get there's 32 teams, and much like bands, we've all seen brilliant bands in yes. a bar or in yes. a location. You're like, this should be the biggest band on the planet. Not just because we love them, but they're like, everything's in place. Why isn't it happening? And it, it's the nature of the universe, right? It's it's chance. It's, well, like you said, like right place, right time. But also, I don't know, catch the fucking ball. Also that. Make, a ta- <laughs> make the fucking tackle. Yeah, have right. a plan B. It's, it's like... It, Get it, out of the fucking pocket. Throw the ball! <laughs> how many... I mean, are you, it, sounds it, like so, you, are you playing tapes of me watching games right <laughs> yes. now? No, it, it's how we all are watching games. My wife and child will no longer watch a football yeah, game yeah. with me, not because they don't love me and not because they don't want to partake of the snacks, but I reach a certain point of frustration either in a given game or during the point of the season with the Vikings every single year where the yelling starts, right? Why do you make me hit you? And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to belittle that kind of thing. But it seems like no team is quite as good and I know there are other teams that are perennial heartbreakers. Bills. But why Detroit. It seem but it seems like no one has quite the creative palette. Mm-hmm. The breadth and the depth of ability to find new and inventive ways to break your heart every year. And the worst years are the ones where they make you believe. Yeah. Up until the bitter end. So I've sort of answered my own question, but I'd like you to try to help me. I'm this is a little therapy for me right now, Mr. Rand. I think there's a I think there's a, some things that happen. One is there's a desperation, right? Like this is a team that's never won the Super Bowl. They even the last time they even went to the Super Bowl, I was two months old. So Oof. Let's let 1977. I think was yep. the, you know, January six season. January so 77. 77. Yep. I was two months old, and huh. so you know when you when that's hanging over you, but you still have a very loyal and passionate fan base. You are fan base. You are trying so hard, and sometimes when you're trying so hard, you get tight. And so I think there's like this collective thing that happens to them sometimes, where it's just this collective tightness if it's especially if it's at home like the fan base is expecting they're hoping for the best but if something kind of starts to go wrong there's this kind of collective energy that goes bad so you're saying it's my fault because i know they're going to break saying, my heart every year i'm saying it's i'm saying it's everybody's i'm calling fault. it into being <laughs> i'm saying it's everybody's fault we're all calling it into being it's bad yeah. energy man it's bad but, energy. but here's the deal so but know this know this i wouldn't be so bitter and so mad and so frustrated every year if i didn't care as much I didn't give a shit about football when I was a kid. Growing up, though, and fantasy football got me into it, but I had a good coworker and dear friend of mine who was a Green Bay Packers guy who would never shut up about them. So yeah. I was like, I started paying attention to the purple. And then all of a sudden I got invested. And, well, you can see there's a picture of Dante Culpepper hanging oh, yeah. on the wall right there. there. I can love Culpepper, sure. man. But, again, and he had Randy Moss, and there were parts there, but it wasn't all there. Right. It always seems to be the case. So if I didn't care and if I didn't want them to win, last question. I know we got to get you out of here. you got things to get to. What do you think this town, this state, Purple Nation, would do to itself if they won the Super Bowl? What would happen? I mean, it 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 would be, A, it would be amazing. Like, this would be this, like, unbelievably cathartic party yes right there would be that element to it but then it would also be this 
kind of element of like what what happened to Red Sox fans when they finally won the won the World Series? Yes. What happened to Cubs fans? It, mm-hmm. it kind of became you wanted it again, and your identity totally changed. So I think it would be probably in a good way in some ways, but like you start getting greedy. So I think it would be this unbelievable release for one to two years where people are just like, we did it. We won the Super Bowl. And then it would be kind of like, well, let's do it again. And then, then we're even more bitter. And I got news <laughs> for you, Brian. This season is this season could be the most quintessentially <clears throat> Viking season. I, I, I have not walked into a season, I don't think, in a long time where – I felt such a high degree of variance between what could happen. I feel like this team could win anywhere from 5 to 12 games. It is such a crapshoot this so year. So obviously we've got Kirk Cousins and the vaccination situation. Mm-hmm. What are like one or two or three other elements real quick that, that make you feel like this is one of the more volatile, yeah. uh, the spectral seasons? It could go anywhere. A couple things. One, they've kind of set up their roster partly because Cousins makes so much money. They have a mm-hmm. lot of kind of high-end talent like I even said this on the podcast I do, Daily Delivery. Like, it's, it's, their top 12 or 15 players are about as good as anybody, I think. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. they've got a lot of top end talent. They have talent, but they don't have depth. Right. So, something goes wrong at a, a certain position. The per, there's a, there's a huge drop off. So, you got to have good health, first right, of all. Right. You got cousins with vaccination situation. You got him in year four. You got Mike Zimmer perhaps coaching for his job mm. because this might, you know, mm-hmm. this could be the end. This is year eight. If they don't make the playoffs, things could happen. Rick Spielman, the general manager, same thing. So this is like this energy of urgency. And when that happens, it can be good, right? It mm-hmm. can be like, okay, everybody pulled together. All these veterans on the team, they signed a bunch of defensive veterans. Like the defense could yeah. be really good. It the could. offense could be really good because they got Jefferson, Thielen, Dalvin Cook. Kirk, Kirk Cousins is still an above average quarterback. Mm-hmm. Irv Smith Jr., if the offensive line can block, if the kickers make the kicks, if the defense stays healthy, it could be really good. But you also have this thing where it's like if it goes bad and there's injuries and the defensive guys are, you know, a year too old, not a year, you know, right on the right on the fringe, then in a year of urgency, when that urgency is gone, you get guys just playing out the string. So it's, it's such a volatile year to me. If they don't pull it off this year, I'll be retirement age before they've rebuilt to the point where they can take another run at it. There you go. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Michael Rand, <laughs> you, you, Michael Rand, are a delight, genuinely. And again, like I said, what I've gleaned from reading your work over the years, insightful, thoughtful, good sense of humor. I'm very, very thankful you came to join us today. Yeah, happy to be here. Let's do it again. Oh, absolutely, we're going to do it again. And we'll make it a more sports-intensive one where Sean's going to have to take the lead. Because again, if we start talking about hockey, I'm laying down on the floor right For there. For me, it's Twins, Vikings, Gopher Sports, uh, Basketball, Football. High school hockey. Oh, Christ, here we Huge go. high school hockey fan. <laughs> Anybody who cares about high school sports that is not... Oh, that is, that, listen, 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 hockey. listen, listen. Anybody who cares about high school sports who is not either an alum or has a child attending said school is fucking creepy. Not Why do you Minnesota care about kids? No, they're kids. they're going to go play in the NHL. Several <sighs> of these kids. Here we go. <laughs> okay, I was trying to end on a positive note. Right, you we made go. it weird. You made it All weird, right. Michael. Before we go, you do have a regular podcast. Where do people track it down? Yeah, you can get it anywhere. You can get your finer podcast. I'm sure where you get this podcast as well. But it's called Daily Delivery, Monday through Friday. We do a bonus episode sometimes too, but every Monday through Friday, around 8 a.m., a new one drops. So it's uh, we're on episode. I think today was episode 150, and we started in February. Five so, a week. Yeah, five a week, baby. See, Overachiever, Brian? man. Oh, don't start with <laughs> they're me. Only, they're only like half an hour. We so. do two a week, but yeah. I mean, five a week. Five a week. You're already yes. tired of it, aren't you? No, I love it, but you it's, it's a lot. You run out of stuff to talk it's about? It's a lot. No, 
we're just getting right into the stuff to talk about now because it's football season. I mean, that's true. That's It's the good time. All right. And, of course, StarTribune.com. People can find all of your columns, everything you have to contribute there. Yes. We have got to get you out the door right now. So as we do that, thanks, everybody. Thanks to our Patreon supporters. Thanks to all of our sponsors. Thanks to everybody who listens. As always, feel free to share, subscribe, amplify, et cetera, et cetera. Sean, thank you. Thank you, Brian. Mr. Rand, thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you, guys. And as we go, tell me why you chose King Tough, because King Tough... On one hand, I enjoy but know very little about. On the other hand, the few things I've listened to, they scare me. This song, this, the guitar <laughs> riff is just cool as hell. I right? think it's just awesome. I, I, that's that's the only reason. I was just like, you said pick three songs. This was the third one that came into my head. So I was like, let, let's do it. Go with your gut, King Tough, as we wrap up the Brian Oak Show. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in.